This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. Earl Grey hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Pru, sitting in the center chair this week, and joining me, as always, are my two co-hosts. Uh, on my right, no, actually, excuse me, on my left, I'm joined by Counselor Darren. Darren, how do you feel? Well, what I think we really need to talk about is how does this make you feel, Daniel? What do you think you should do in the situation of being the host of this episode? Well, hang on. I wasn't I wasn't expecting reverse psychology here, Darren. I it's asked you all I know, I you to answer it. Daniel. I, all I know <laughs> is how to ask, you know, just turn it right back on you. But um, I'm going to go change my uniform, actually, and uh, I'm going to let you ask me some serious questions then, okay? Okay. Yeah, thank you, because it's a little distracting, I have to be honest. This is a professional environment. Just, I'm just going to put the scan away, okay? It's going away. <laughs> uh, and joining me also in sickbay, we have Chief Medical Officer uh, Philip Gilfus. Now, Philip, I know we tend to make redheaded jokes occasionally, but I have to ask you the question, are you the young and vivacious chief medical officer, or are you a little more seasoned? Well, I mean, I would consider myself more of a parent, but I really haven't seen my son in um, <laughs> the past couple years. Wait, is he still on the ship? I'm not even sure, <laughs> to tell you the truth. Um, but, yeah, no things are – and I'm actually excited that you're talking to me. I'll tell you what, no one has talked to me for the past three episodes, and I think the, like people forget that I'm here, honestly. So, um but I'm glad y'all let me sit in the meetings, though. I mean, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to sit here and be in the meetings, and, and that's cool. Man, it's cold in here. Does anyone have a coat? Seasoned, that's a terrible thing to say to a man. Well, Darren, funny you mention that. Uh, today we're actually going to talk about something that the three of us are not entirely equipped for. So I've called in some backup uh, from the hood, and we have friend of the network uh, joining us. You know her probably on Twitter as First Time Trek, right? Uh, and she's been on other shows before, and she's returning here to Earl Grey, uh, Andy Vanderkolk. Andy, welcome back to the Enterprise. Uh, thanks for having me. I get to talk about something I'm super excited now, about. Andy, so you're our cool. first recurring character here on Earl Grey, so you're probably going to get killed off by the end of this. Oh, no. That's disturbing. No, no, she gets the featured as title card in the beginning, so people wonder, what does this mean? Special exactly. guest star. Ooh, ooh, all right. Very fancy. So yes, today, guys, and (laughs) as is appropriate, I suppose, uh, (laughs) we're actually going to be talking about um, women on on the next generation. Uh, So let's let's rewind, give a little bit of background here. Of course, uh, a lot of people like to give credit to the original series, um, and I think it's right rightfully due in some ways. Right? They showed a powerful. you know, a black woman on the bridge in authority over a lot of people. And that was actually a really bold move for the time. 
Maybe you could argue they didn't do a lot with it. I mean, it would be hard to argue against that, I think. But uh, but they did do that. And for at the time, that was kind of a big deal. And so it established this idea that maybe Star Trek was a little forward-thinking uh, in, this, in this area. TNG rolls around, and they cast three of the, of the main eight cast members as as women, which seems at least slightly appropriate, right? I mean, if, if it's not going to be half, then slightly under half makes sense. And uh, so we have three three women characters right off the bat. Uh, and, you know, maybe they maybe they hit it out of the park. Maybe they didn't. We're going to talk about that today. Um, but I just wanted to get everybody's opinions, um, and we'll, we'll let Andy go first since she's our guest. Uh, you might have thought I was going to say ladies first there, but I didn't do that. <laughs> Uh, but I'm going to let her go did. first. Andy, and then I did anyways. <laughs> uh, let's just start from the beginning. Um, you, you you were introduced to Star Trek through The Next Generation. Uh, what do you think, like overall? Like, uh, Is it a positive experience with the, with the women characters, a negative, or, or is it somewhere in between? Somewhere in between, definitely. I mean, they have they have female characters that get a lot more to do than you would see in the original series. Um, and we get a lot more episodes focused on those women. Um, just in general, we have a lot more female characters doing a variety of things. Um, I think it was a big step forward for Star Trek in general, especially now that I am now going back and watching the original series. And it is so, so painful uh, to watch them portray women in the original series. So it's definitely better than it could have been. Um, there is still room for improvement, as usually there is for anything, uh, but definitely a step forward for Trek in general. And I'm going to throw it to, to you, Philip, next. Now, uh, as, a, as a youth watching this kind of these, these shows, I did, of course, you know, a young teenage boy, I don't think really about maybe the perspective of a, of a woman Star Trek fan or, or of, uh, you know, of a woman watching the show who... who who might want to see themselves represented just as much as we are. Cause we come on guys, we can't complain. Right. Uh, but, but now watching it, do you, do you see, does it ever enter your mind when we, when you watch a Troy episode, right. And she falls in love with another creepy guy and you're like, Oh my goodness, can we just move past this? Or is it just something that you kind of don't think about a lot? Well, I mean, she married the creepy guy, so I mean, I really don't think you should call him that, Daniel. But, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's it's one of those. It's funny when you were listing like we cast three women, and like, and two of them didn't last through the first season. You know, just by the way, <laughs> I mean, yeah, what, the one came back, but that's like you know, out of the three spots, one lasted at the end. I mean, talk about it's like the Hunger Games of female casting. Just to throw something, um, but. Yeah, it and and you know this is the fallback position, right? But I'm just going to put it out there. You know, this is 1987 when we started off here. I mean, it's like more than two decades ago, and, and I'd like to think that both Star Trek and our society has changed. You know, it took us a while to actually have a series with a female captain, right? Um, which I forget the name of that series um, for the moment. No, it'll come to me. But anyway, um, but anyway, you know, and so I, I don't want to fall back. I mean, because you can do that with the original series. Well, it was the 60s and 70s. But I think to a certain degree, Star Trek does have to own some stuff because we're supposed to try to be a progressive, you know, vision, utopian future. And so if, if, we, if we're stuck in the present, then, you know, it's kind of a cop out. So, but I mean, 
we we aren't as great, I would think, as some of the later series, certainly. Um, but I don't know. I think this the, talking with y'all um, will definitely help me process my feelings and let me know how I feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't ask Darren because he'll just turn it around on you. <laughs> but no, that brings us to Darren. Darren, you know, as the only non-bachelor uh, of the regular ones of us here. But more importantly, I think, as as a father, do you see, um, when you watch TNG, do you see positive female role models for your daughter? You, she's, you said she's starting to watch it and her favorite characters are Picard and Data right now. But, grow, you know, getting older, do you, do you, is, is that like an element that you even think about? Or do you, do you think she's in good hands with, with the next generation? I think so. I definitely feel that across sci-fi there are a lot of great female role models. Uh, unfortunately, it, it's sad that there's not more coming from you know Star Trek in general. But but there are. I mean, there are a few. There's you know you have Jedzia Dax, you have um, you know Counselor Troy and Beverly. But across the broader sci-fi, you have like Samantha Carter from SG One. You have Ivanova from Battle on Five. You have. Um, just so many, uh, like Zoe Washburn from Firefly. So some really good characters there. And while while it does uh, take them, it seems like a while to really write. The, it, it seems like most of the females in Next Generation they just they just suffer unfortunately from lack of good writing. Uh, it's it's they're they're good actresses, you know, and when they're given something, you know, well to carry. Uh, I mean, I can think of many Troy episodes uh, where she just carries it really well, and but it's just but it, when but you get sometimes unfortunately just the other end of the spectrum just too much where it's oh let's just have uh, the hot guy show up and Troy of, of course is going to fall in love with him or. But we can't have, you know, Beverly fall in love because she's not a bachelorette, as Daniel would put it. Uh, but so it, it definitely room for improvement. But I I do hope that as Lizzie starts to actually remember more and more names of uh, next generation characters that uh, she will enjoy uh enjoy the ones that we're presented with. I'm hoping that she is like Guinan, has a little bit of sass. Actually, the more I think about it, she is exactly like Guinan. She likes telling people what to do, and uh, and she's a good listener. You just you just need to buy her some big hats, I think, right? That's it. Point? That's all she needs is uh, the biggest of hats. I think when uh, she's grown up woman, she'll be more than happy to serve you a warrior's drink when you're in the old age home. That's what's <laughs> most important. That's that's why I have kids. <laughs> All right. Well, we've we've talked a little bit about it, guys. Everybody, jump in at this well, point. Well, like I, um, I mean, for for for. <laughs> well, I think <laughs> that uh, the best part. Come on, is... let me set up here, people. Uh, the main three guys. Um, I keep, I'm sorry. This is a terrible thing to do. Uh, I shouldn't keep saying guys. People. <laughs> and, and in fact, actually, the one one point that I did want to bring up before we even started was. Uh, when they were de- developing the next generation, I'm sure at some point they were like, "Hey, let's do this opening monologue again." And uh, I believe it was Gene, uh, Gene himself, who was instrumental in changing the one line, the "Where no man has gone before," to uh, the gender neutral "Where no one has gone before," uh, which is also the name of one of the episodes. Um, and so that's that. I think that is 
at least an indication of the changing uh, idea of, of gender at the time. It's, it's certainly how Gene felt, but we know he was a little, uh, you know, maybe a little more laterally thinking than most people were at the time. But anyways, <clears throat> let's talk about the three main cast members, guys. The three main women of the show, uh, at least in the beginning, of course, um, Yar, uh, Yar, Troy, and Crusher. Um, like, like you guys alluded to, I think they get much, much stronger the longer these characters last. Um, of course, Yar didn't last very long, so maybe she doesn't count. But uh, do we, do we kind of think, do we kind of agree that these 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 characters become better uh, as as time goes well, on? Yes. <laughs> I mean, one thing I wanted to ask, like... Well put, Andy. Well put. I couldn't have said it any better. It's that hopeful future. <laughs> one thing I wanted to ask Andy, and because I know you're probably more familiar with the technic, uh, with with the jargon, like, can't you really um, sort of, you know, like it's like these are the depiction of women. You know, there's only, you know, three choices or two choices. All right, we have the... And I forget, you, you probably know the actual names, like the healer, you know, the, the whatever. You know, the Troy is this, Beverly is this, Yar is this, and none of them can be anything else but that... You mean like the stereotypes or yes. the archetypes of women? Yeah, I mean, you definitely get a little bit of that. Um, but just in general, I feel like they got better because they were forced to get better. I mean, you were talking earlier about how two of the female cast members left uh, season one. Well, a big part of that, both of the actresses, Denise Crosby and Gates McFadden, said that part of the reason that they were unhappy with uh, working at Star Trek at the time was how they were being portrayed and uh, how much they were given to do. Um, especially Denise Crosby felt like she didn't have anything to do. And so it wasn't a satisfying experience for her. So she decided to leave and was written out in the worst way possible. Um, and Gates McFadden left, you know, kind of on a sour note for many of the same reasons. Uh, and then it wasn't until they realized that they really did have a woman problem uh, that they decided to kind of woo her back for season three. And then, you know, starting later on, and especially the fourth season, they started adding a lot more female writers and directors, uh, which helped a lot and just kind of actually tried to tackle this problem in a real way. And you can see that in the portrayals. Uh, season four on, you really see an uptick in the episodes that work well for our female characters. Troy gets a couple of really great episodes. Um, Face of the Enemy comes to mind as one of the best portrayals of female characters on TNG in general. Because not only do we have Troy finally doing something other than falling for the shadiest dude in the universe, uh, but she also spends most of the episode locked in a battle with another female character. Uh, that's super rare. It's not enough to just have female characters. They have to interact e with each other in a meaningful way. Um, and this is a good example of a Troy episode that's not only good for Troy, but has uh, more than one female character that's nuanced and three-dimensional, which is really nice. And that's an interesting episode because in some ways, you know, the, the episode starts off with Troy sort of being, you know, the puppet to the guy, you know, Romulan, who's like, all right, this is... Th mm -hmm. And exactly. she totally turns yeah. that around. Mm -hmm. There, there's a lot going on with Face of the Enemy. It is a really good episode, and it's a really interesting episode to to really think about and get into. But one thing, it, it's 
the one thing it, that it does that it really establishes that we kind of don't get the sense of most of the time is that Troy is a capable person. She's like a she can be plunked into a situation where maybe we wouldn't think she would do great and like blows away our expectations and like literally just you know she it, of course it takes her a minute to compose herself because naturally finding yourself in that situation would be kind of weird uh but but she told you know she is the hero of the story completely and like you said goes up against another female character another interesting character and uh you know comes out on top and it's a really 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 good example one of the best i i agree uh, of, of, of female-centric stories in TNG that we get. Not only that, it, it kind of goes to something that I was noticing with the original series because the original series' misogyny is so egregious and obvious that it's hard to miss. Um, but I started noticing that the episodes that were just in general better often had better portrayals of women. Um, it helps make your story richer just in general. Um, and the episodes that are the best of TOS often have either a really good female character or there just isn't a bad female character. <laughs> you know, it, maybe they didn't have any female characters at all, but at least it wasn't offensive portrayals and stereotypes. Um, and I see this in TNG too. Some of my favorite, favorite episodes are episodes in which the female characters get a chance to shine, and it just overall adds to the strength of your cast and the strength of your story. Yeah, I, I mean, like you take Beverly for instance, you know, and I, we've made fun of this, but like you know, in some cases you can be like, well, Beverly sometimes is just drawn about her relationships. Okay, she's a relationship to her son, so she's a parent. Her relationship to Picard, she's whatever you call that relationship. Um, but it, but even it's saying that, yeah, yeah, exactly on their space Facebook, um, but. Having said that, I don't think Beverly is a badly written – like, to me, I mean, she's not – she doesn't have a lot to do necessarily, but I don't think she's bad either. And so I think, to me, Beverly's sort of like that, I don't know, happy medium character where, I mean, you know, it could have been worse and it could have been better, but I don't I don't see Beverly as, as a bad character. I don't know. When we were talking about doing this episode before, Daniel said to me, it was like, we can talk about Troy and – I was like, the thing is, is it's not that I think any of the big three female characters are bad characters. I just don't think that they were always well served by the writing. So Crusher is a good example there that clearly Gates McFadden had the talent. And she actually does get more of the meat of stuff to do than any other female character that we have regularly. Um, But she is, like most of the female characters, generally seen through the lens of her male relationships. Um, you put it really well. And then Troy is the same way. You know, we see her through how she relates to Riker or how she relates to her love interest of the week. Um, and, I mean, Yar, they really didn't get a chance to develop her at all before they killed her off. Well, we, we talked about, we, we mentioned this before, that, like, especially towards the end, once they put Troy you know in an actual uniform she started getting respect like once they once the writers started treating her with respect the stories of that you know the stories played that out and the audience respected her more and it was but let's talk about yar a little bit because it's a character i think that never really worked and i don't think it really works for anybody and is it a failure what is it because i think the idea of Yar was to create a strong female character, right? That, I think that was the idea. It seems like that's what they were trying to do, but they failed like spectacularly at that. And 
And that was probably why Denise Crosby felt the way she did. That's why a lot of fans are just like, well, she was there and now she's not. It's not a big deal. Uh, what what happened there? Like, is it just the fact that these guys, these the first season writers, didn't know how to how to properly write women characters? Yes, I would say so. I mean, if you, I feel like Tasha Yar was supposed to be what say Zoe was for Firefly, kind of a straightforward badass warrior type woman, right? Um, and they didn't. Not only did they not commit to that, uh, they didn't explore it at all. Either she was no personality at all, just able to, you know, throw a punch. Or they were like, oh, is she not relatable because she's too masculine? Let's make her seduce Data and get all dolled up, you know? They didn't know how to portray a strong woman like that without backing away from it, which really made her character very strange her portrayal kind of went up and down and back and forth and it's really hard to get attached to a character that you don't understand and you don't understand their motivations what i learned from her character was how never mind um but uh now it was because daniel i mean you you made that point in in your ready room appearance when you talked about the naked I can never imagine which one's which. Um, now time, whatever, the TNG one. But anyway, about, like, because you were saying, Daniel, something about, like, you know, that when they we suddenly see Yar in Troy's room, like, trying on clothes, you were saying something, and let me know if I'm putting words in your mouth, like, the, are the writers saying, like, did we make a mistake? Like, she really just wants to be pretty, you know? And you're like, no, that's not this character you have written. What are you doing? Yeah, it's very out of character. It's just odd. Okay, so let's okay, let's talk about this then. This is, and we'll talk again about this, uh, listeners, in our Yar episode once we get around to it. But I'm curious: do we feel like the character is redeemed in Yesterday's Enterprise, one of the greatest Star Trek episodes ever made, and really a fantastic Yar storyline? Is that is that enough to get a better grasp of that character? Is it enough to say, hey, th- this is how we messed up. This is how we're going to remedy it. Uh, this character, this is the core of this character. I mean, this woman sacrifices herself for an entire ship of people that she doesn't know uh, because she she wants to make a difference. And is that enough to redeem that character in, in the eyes of the fans? I don't know. I think for a lot of people it is. But Daniel, I, I don't know. she did what it for guys? love, the love of a man. <laughs> I mean, there is that element, but it's. It, I don't think that's her motivation. I don't think that's... No, no, no. That's not her motivation at all in that episode. I mean, I, yeah, I, of, of many people, I really like Yesterday's Enterprise. It's a very well-written, you can definitely tell, I mean, we've gone through a couple writing groups at this point, and, you know, we're, it. it's definitely a stronger story than anything we get in the first season, which is the last time we've seen, you know, uh, Denise Crosby. And, I mean, I, I really like how they bring her back in that episode, but they make her an important part of the episode. I mean, they make the decision she's making and uh, her, her relationship, you know, with, with Castile, you know, while it's, while it has, it's like flirtatious moments, it's, it's a professional relationship. And that, that engages us that much more with the enterprise C's timeline much more than Picard and Garrett. I mean, which, I mean, she's unfortunately not even alive too long to just to, to communicate that that time. But we see, you know, is 
his past and you know what what he's wanting but i really enjoy her interaction with Guinan, her action with Picard and her action with Castile, because those three interactions in my mind are what sets the whole tone of the, of the episode. Aaron, you can call him Richard. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me Dick. (laughs) Um, No, but but actually that's a great, that now that I'm thinking about it again, and uh, I was talking to Andy earlier, she also mentioned another episode that I, that I wouldn't have thought of right off the top of my head, but Yesterday's Enterprise is a, a very also female strong episode, right? Because we have Yar and we have Guinan um, influencing Picard, influencing the entire episode. It's basically her intuition uh, that that steers the course of events. Her Guinan tuition. Her Guinan tuition, yeah. And then, of course, we have uh, Captain Garrett, who I think is. Uh, I wish I, I really wish we could see an Enterprise C show because I thought that woman in that one episode did such a good portrayal of that character she she felt like a really strong awesome captain that i would love to see more adventures of like that was a great example uh uh, of the one-off kind of characters uh you know they can be just as strong as anybody else i mean that 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 episode you know establishes that there was a woman captain of an enterprise and then we kill her off so i mean sorry but that's you know at least we at least we got that notable item in there <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one, <laughs> but but to be fair, that's her. that's because the story, yeah, the story forces it to happen. I'll she only agreed. do a death scene I mean, as long as the yeah. script calls no, 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 for no, no, it. How is this? Yeah, how is this fair, Daniel? Write yourself out of this corner. <laughs> to be fair, fate had designated that she must die. There was no other it's, way. I mean, the writers couldn't I, just listen. write something else. That's just ridiculous. I do agree that her death is no, actually, you know what? is a strong point of the episode. It's very emotional. It helps us connect with what's happening. I don't think that that was, say, a bad death. So I'll let you off the hook, Daniel. But it is true that we get this awesome female captain of the Enterprise and they immediately kill her. I mean, we just can't skate over that. In my defense, I did say I would yes. love to see an entire series good. with her as captain. I don't care if she, I don't care if she dies at the end. That's, why, that's Oilers. fine. I don't care. Was your father a Romulan, Daniel? <laughs> Put you on trial right now. Well, I mean, getting back to Yar a little bit, this is definitely her strongest episode um, because you know she has something to do. When she comes back at the very, very end in the series finale, she's also she's not there for very long but she's also well portrayed there i think this was really a missed opportunity for the entire series to have um a strong female character that just really could be awesome in a lot of ways and they gave her absolutely nothing to work with in the first season and something else that i was always bothered me about her portrayal is she is perpetually a victim I mean, just nonstop from the beginning. I mean, the way they set up her backstory, her backstory, A, doesn't even make any sense. And B, really, this whole idea of rape gangs is really disturbing to me. It's like a a shorthand for trying to get across that Tasha Yar had a really terrible childhood. Do we really need to have shots of her running from rape gangs to do that? I, I just feel like it's really gross and then we never even really explore that part of her backstory very much at least not with her a little bit with her sister um but she never gets to escape that because just as we're starting to get to know her a little bit she's dies 
um, and has the world's most terrible funeral in the Spoilers. Windows 95 background. And then I thought the flying to, toasters were yeah, a bit much. Yeah, well, and then we get to yesterday's <laughs> Enterprise, which is a great episode for her, and we find out that she's kidnapped, raped repeatedly, and then is murdered. So it's kind of like... They they don't really give her any. She's just a victim in every scenario. No world do they give her a good ending. It feels like. I, I don't want to to downplay this at all, or or play this for last because what you're saying is very serious subject matter. And I've heard that 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 uh, funeral scene referred to as Windows ninety five before, but now all I can think of is her standing there in that background, and then Clippy, the little paperclip, shows up and says. Oh, I see you're trying to have a funeral right now. Is there anything I can do to help you? Or I mean, that whole Skin of Evil episode was one of the most just I, – I, when I was live tweeting it, I, I just – I swear I did like four tweets in a row like, that didn't just happen. What? What is this? This is terrible. What is this? And just like rage, rage. Like she, she's going to get better, right, guys? Guys? Yeah, I was like, did they just really <laughs> kill one of the only female characters with – just out of nowhere for apparently no reason? Mid-season, they can't possibly ki- – oh. 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 Yeah, exactly. Oh, they did. Oh. Nobody's safe now, guys. Nobody's I'm paying attention safe. to every episode. <laughs> I was like, so we never even oh, got to then- find out what she was about before they killed her. I was really upset. Well, to to shift to to Troy, if, if uh, I wanted to bring up a point, uh, one of my favorite episodes – uh, and it, I had to—I actually had to look up the episode title because it's the B plot. Um, but in thine own self, oh, which is the, the is the last one on your list, where where Troy is taking her commander test, and because hey, continuity, um, you know, I really liked how they they had her character develop where the impact of the events of disaster, uh, you know, was like okay, hey, I, I really want to learn more about you know, bridge operations and, and things of that nature. And so I I actually kind of like this plot more than like the A plot of this episode. It's it's a, it's really interesting watching this. It's, it's this behind the scenes look of how do people get promotions? You know, how do, what kind of holodeck tests do they take? And at the end when she's making, you know, command level decisions to uh, order Jordy into the Jeffries tube, uh, you know, because she, she never stops, you know, and and Riker's super heavy handed with her. He puts on his, you know, you know, I'm not in Z- Mzadi right now hat. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm your commanding officer. Weird relationship. But, huh? oh, gosh, yeah, it's it's <laughs> come on, guys. We've talked about this. It's not weird. It's a, it's a 24th century relationship. You just mm-hmm. need to get with it. But but the, but that aside, I really like this this plot. And I wish, you know, it's one of the few plots where. Again, we see Troy, you know, in the blue uniform and we we see her, you know, just taking, you know, her career, you know, by the horns and, and doing what she wants because she wants to. And I, I really like that that part of this episode. Speaking of the uniform, I'm not sure if you guys were aware that there was an actual reason why they had her wearing the flowy weird uniform and it's because they didn't think she was thin enough to pull off the regular uniform i also i imagine boobs had something to do with it right? basically think, they probably. they felt she was too heavy for the spandex which kind of goes back to really? um the original series there was an issue where 
uh, Rand, the woman who played Rand, basically Grace Lee Whitney, basically was told that she had to stay thin enough to fit into that tiny uniform they gave her or, you know, she could just pack her bags. So it's a, kind of a, a pressure that we put on um, actresses that we do not put on actors. Uh, Riker gets kind of big towards the end in that spandex uniform, but nobody puts him in flowing moo-moos. Um, so, wasn't Gates pregnant for um, half the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and, and I just... Can you wear something ever- to cover that up? Oh, never mind. You already got it. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, but wait, Wesley was there in season one. What are you <laughs> oh, sorry. Never mind. I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it's always interesting to me when people make fun of her uniform, and it's it's true that they make her stand out and they make her wear um, a very odd choice for the bridge, right? But there was an actual behind-the-scenes reason for it, and they finally got rid of it as they started to tackle some of these more sexist issues they were having behind the scenes. Right, like the three-shift rotation. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> well, yeah. I was just going to say, then Jellico came on and, <laughs> and set that straight real quick. Yeah, that was, a, again, a great part of Chain of Command, where he's like, hey, put a uniform on. And we're all like, thank you. Thank you. Finally, <laughs> like, it, it, it took the substitute captain <laughs> showing up. You know, he writes his name on the screen. I am Captain Jellico. That's with a G. I mean, a J, not a G. No. But, uh, yeah. So, and then. And Riker's and like, then, I know well, how to I mean, behave during a substitute. Well, to continue with Chain of Command, you also have uh, Commando. Uh, Crusher, oh, who with, goes yeah, yeah. on the mission with Picard. I mean, it's like we're going to pick Worf, Picard, and Crusher to go on this super dangerous mission. I mean, she's she's part of the mini A-team right yeah, I mean, there. That's how I usually did it on my away teams on the Super Nintendo game. But anyway, um, but yeah, I mean, because even with Crusher, the, the continuity there of making her a commander, which then in all good things leads her to her being a captain. But Andy, you know, when you, with this talk about Yar, I feel like we should bring up uh, Daniel's favorite, or one of Daniel's favorite characters, and that's Ro. What if we had oh, yes. had Ro as Yar in season one? Or would have that been too much? Did it take well, us, you know, until like 1990-whatever and season six to be able to write Ro? When I was thinking about... When I was thinking about this whole idea of women on TNG, I actually... I was thinking about all of the female characters I could think of, and I was thinking about all the female-centric episodes that were really good, and I started thinking that I I actually might think that Ensign Rowe is the best-written female character on on TNG. And now she also didn't have nearly as many episodes for them to mess it up, so there's that. But right from the beginning, I feel like Rowe is basically what they were trying to do with Tasha Yar and failed. Like a very you know, commanding, uh, ambitious, strong woman that, you know, took no crap and, you know, did what she wants, super smart, super competent, challenges Riker, which gets props from me any day. Um, She sleeps with him, but nevertheless. Yes, and that's actually one of the few things I don't like about her portrayal because it seems out of character a little bit, but... It's it's not only it's what they tried to do with... with Yar previously. It's also what they tried to do with Kira in the future, but you'll find out <laughs> later on. And uh, I just, I just pissed off a lot of Deep Space Nine fans again. Well, like I usually the other do, thing so too okay. is that episode that she's introduced in is a very strong female centric episode. Uh, so just in general, I think she is definitely um, on the short list for 
great portrayals. I would have loved to see more of her. Um, I really just enjoyed that character in general, and Michelle Forbes is gorgeous and a great actress, so uh, that would have been nice. Well, yeah, and she gets bookended by two great episodes, right? I mean, she gets she gets as in row, which is which is fantastic, and then she also gets preemptive strike, which is also a really interesting episode dealing with the relationship that she has this like fatherly relationship that she has with Picard and all of these the consequences of her actions and kind of her. Anyways, I, I, we could talk about row for days. In fact, we did talk about row for an entire episode. Uh, so if the listeners want to check that so out. So they can yeah. listen to Daniel um, drool all over her. <laughs> can <laughs> I, true. can I pick uh, the next one, Daniel? Go ahead. So it, it wasn't on your list. I was, I was skimming down. And then when I got to Darren at the bottom, I kind of did a double take. Uh, no, that's the, but, that's uh, the spot where we let you talk for a minute. <laughs> oh, okay. That's good. That's good. But I actually wanted to, to ask Andy what, what your thoughts were on the, the two episodes that we had Dr. Leia Brahms. Oh, I'm so just, glad you brought that up. So glad. Cause we start off with Geordie fantasy woman. Yes. Uh, you know, no. she's like, Darren. I love warp nacelles as much as you do, Geordie. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had to tell you, but then when she it's actually but then she shows ringtone. up and she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not this person. I'm, I'm my own person. Like, you know, I'm sorry the holiday, the computer didn't tell you I was married, but, you know. Uh. <laughs> no, you get 10 feminism points for that, Darren. This is actually, um, th- these two episodes, I think, show a larger theme that we see in TNG, and that is women uh, fantasized and idealized as support or as love interest for male characters. We have this in a couple episodes. This is the most egregious, right, where... Basically, Jordy makes his fantasy woman, woman and then gets angry with her when she's not the fantasy he had and somehow thinks that th- that that wasn't a horrible violation of her privacy and then gets her to apologize to him at Barkley. the end of the episode for being angry. Yes, the whole thing is terrible. And it takes Guinan to set him straight yeah and Guinan tries to set him straight and he's still like I was nice to you why aren't you nice to me well maybe it's because uh, you've been <laughs> lying to me the entire time and uh dug through all of my personal records and make fungili pasta I mean <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this this oh. kind of trope or idea is is I, I mean happens all throughout TNG we have Riker um, having the holodeck make his perfect woman in what is that one zero zero one blah, 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 ones and zeros one zero zero one zero zero one yeah I mean duh <laughs> I mean I mean, it might be that I don't know you know it's, it's <laughs> one one zero zero one zero zero one people come on get it straight I don't understand yeah and <laughs> yeah min- maybe a minuet yeah I mean it's it, he actually like creates a woman for himself uh or. Oh, I cannot wait. I'm sorry, Andy. I hate to interrupt you. He I doesn't. really do. Uh, but I can't wait until you get to oh Voyager God. because oh you're going to find that oh there's God. some episodes where <laughs> it's a it's kind of a reverse situation. And I'm just I, curious. I will I, let you know I, I, I what I think when I get there. <laughs> I will say this phrase. Normally, I would not say this in Earl Grey, but our executive producer allowed this phrase to be said. I believe the character she creates is referred to, at least in some circles, as a walking vibrator. So anyway, I'm just going to... That's spoiler alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, where was it? Oh, yes. No. Okay, and then we also have the perfect mate. 
right? Which oh, okay. Philip was super excited to talk about, right? I mean, we could spend a whole day on the perfect mate. <laughs> yeah, that one, that I really have a trouble. I mean, because I think, I mean, to me, and y'all, I mean, y'all tell me, to me, that episode does walk that line and just say, hey, th- these are these two points of view, and they both are are presented as legitimate. But I'm a hundred percent with Beverly Crusher. This is basically a prostitution ring. I mean, not yeah. only that, but she has no choice. She's groomed yeah. from childhood. Yeah, and, and I mean, she does, I mean, her care. I mean, I think, even though it's just uh, the spoiler alert for the X-Men, um, with uh, Professor X and Jean Grey, um, but basically, I, so I think her character is written well, I mean, I think it's all, it's a good, I mean, it's not like a great episode, but I mean, it, everything's good that's in it, you know, but it's just like, no, I'm not buying any of this thing that you're trying to do window dressing, this is prostitution delivery. Yeah, I mean... I, I, I'm not someone who thinks that sex work is inherently anti-feminist or derogatory or degrading, anything like that. But uh, in this case, she very clearly states that, you know, she's been trained to this since childhood when she does not have the mental capacity to either consent or not consent to what's happening to her. So, yes, I think it's very problematic. And then going in a totally different direction, in the offspring, Data creates a child, right? And who knows why he decides to make it a female. He didn't um, get my permission to do that. But he does create. A, 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 he he, he lets it, it decide. On. He yeah, he lets it decide. He doesn't. Okay, choose but to the make writers did. No, no, no. Oh, well, that yeah, was well, fate. Okay. There was no well, other fate. choice. We've, right. we've established, <laughs> haven't we established that the writers have no choice in any choices that they make? No, that's so, a good I point. So, I mean, it's it's a totally different kind of vibe and a totally re- different relationship, but he still is has a created woman who is created to uh, fill a void that he has. I can answer your question there, and I think this okay. might be satisfactory. The reason that uh, Lol was a woman was because Jonathan Frakes was that was his first directing episode, and he decided that he was going to kiss someone <laughs> at some point. So Are you talking about Jonathan Frakes or was, Riker? Because I don't think they're the same person. Well, Jonathan Frakes is there. They're they're kind of well. The that's same right. I think I Jonathan Frakes removes the side of his beard. And, <laughs> never mind. Don't don't wanna, never mind. Forget it. Forget it. We don't want to. <laughs> Uh, but actually, one one other um, one other example of that, uh, Andy, that, that you're that you're talking about, that I'm thinking of, is of course yes. Barkley mm-hmm. in the Hollow Hollow Pursuits. I am the um, goddess of yeah. love. Exactly of empathy. <laughs> so I mean, one time, yeah. okay. This many times, mm, it starts to starts to become a thing, um, and. Uh, well, and Troy's mad, and rightfully so. Like, Riker's all like, no, no, let's see how this goes. Like, no, <laughs> well, that's, no. That's, uh, that's right. This is like, you know, we need to bump this up to the next. Like, Captain Picard needs to be told about this. This yeah, is I mean, like it's, not, this is messed up. It's an unhealthy, and it's a violation, which is just another example of Troy being violated. She is repeatedly violated. Violations? I mean, there's even an episode called <laughs> violations. violations. Exactly. Uh, I mean... The amount of times that they have Troy have basically allegorical rape happen to her is overwhelming. Well, can we just talk about the actual rape then? And yeah, I know. Can we just the rape, actual right? one, the child? Yeah, <laughs> I mean it's... that's yes, and it, it. I mean that's something that I would call rape. Absolutely. Um, obviously, during the episode, that that's not how they 
That's not how they approach it. And that's probably not how every person watching approaches it. That's definitely how I approached it. Um, as But we have her, her mind being violated several times. Um, she gets kidnapped a couple times. Emesis. And you haven't seen no, Emesis. No, I have not. Either. So, so shh, yeah. shh. But I'm yeah. going to assume well. that this continues because it seems to be... They, the writers don't learn their lesson. Let's just let's just leave it. No, let's just leave they it. Don't, just, they don't. The child is just super disturbing on every level, because um, she is raped, and then she gets pregnant—a wonderful mystical pregnancy, which we I could talk two hours about the stupid, horrible sci-fi fantasy trope of the mystical pregnancy. When we see this on Doctor Who, we see this on Angel. They just did it on Sleepy Hollow, so it's still going on today. Um, this whole idea of women just being impregnated against their will or having demon babies or something like that. The whole thing is super creepy. So she gets pregnant, and then they have a a conference about it in which she sits silently, and all the men discuss what she should do with her her baby that she has. And uh, ultimately, she makes the decision, but it's a super gross, like, two, three minutes of these men just sitting around talking about what she should do with her body after she's been violated. And I especially don't like that Riker sits there and decides to go, I don't mean to be indelicate, but who's the father? Yeah, that's super (laughs) delicate, Riker. Thanks for your delicacy. He's also Um, super creepy lurking when she was giving birth. I mean, that was, to me, I remember that scene of, like... Really? Does like Riker just hang out during every pregnancy delivery? Because it's kind of weird. Yeah. Are curtains outlawed in the 24th century? Because I mean, R- Riker. Riker was just hanging out in sick bay when Spot was delivering his kittens. Yeah, it's it's a bad episode from top to bottom. It's not only a bad episode from a feminism perspective, but it's just straight up a bad episode. So there's really no redeeming qualities. It's probably my least favorite episode in the entirety of TNG. And I think, you know, first impressions last, and that's what we talked about with Pulaski. Uh, but one one thing I, I, I've noticed in my TNG rewatch, and I, it's a little thing, but, like, I think if you look at the number of admirals in TNG, if it's not 50-50, it might, in fact, be 60-40 with women to men um, actors playing admirals. Um, and especially we have Admiral Means Business Nechev. I think I, I guys, I have to tell you, I've come to a conclusion. I I'm a Nechev apologist. I don't get it. I don't get when people call her a bad moral. I don't get when people say she's like the bad guy. Like I don't think she makes I, the I tough have, decisions like, that Picard won't make. And she Cisco. makes tough decisions. And and Cisco, that's right, she does. And uh I don't know, people don't like her. I'd like I to see like her, her encounter Q. Because uh, I think that would be a very interesting conversation. Well, in season eight of <laughs> Closure, Sandy, in season eight of Voyager, when it finally, you know, blah, blah, Admiral Nechev would be telling Janeway where to go. So anyway. <laughs> well, it's interesting, uh, Philip. I, I, I mean, I do notice always when there is um, female characters in positions of authority. Always, I am glad that that happens, but I have. To, I'm a little wary of it. Um, it reminds me of the way that they always seem to find for, oh, goodness. I can never remember which one is Helm and which one is the Khan. Wherever Data doesn't sit. Well, also Picard That's doesn't remember, Helm. and we That's discussed Helm. that. Okay. Oh, yeah, we talked about that last <laughs> Well, I'm glad I'm in good company then. Um, but 
they seem to take that position as a really great way to up their diversity levels without actually having to have a character. So I started actually... Like, they don't even say anything. They just sit down, exactly. and then they stand up, and, and then they sit down. It was so obvious that after a couple seasons, I started screen capping it and being like, random person of color, random woman, random piece, person of color, when, random woman of color, just over and over and over again. And I feel like that's a way for them to try and show that the this time period is diverse, but then they never actually give them much to do. Now, with some of these admirals, they do have more to do. Um, you know, they often have uh, speaking parts or important parts, but they're usually one-off characters. Uh, we don't get to explore them very much. Um, I'm glad that they do that. I just wish that we had a little more of actual female authority. Oh, we we, should, we do have a great villain with the retired Admiral Sati. <laughs> also, um, uh, guys, let's, let's since we're just doing this, let's just do it. Lightning round. Let's just talk about women characters that we like or hate or. <laughs> I don't think we should talk about well. women we hate um, in our talking... women of TNG episode. <laughs> well, yeah, I you feel like have female characters well, you, know you don't like that is perfectly okay. Yeah. So, so uh, you know, now we're talking about female characters that have authority. Uh, I think we have to mention uh, Captain Louvois from Measure of a Man, who has authority over both <laughs> Riker and Picard. Uh, and Picard, she has authority over very uh, in a very intimate way, uh, but. But I also think she's a very strong character, and I really wish I, – I think it's like the dangling thread that was kind of left that we never got to see again. I wish that she showed up again at some point. She was like Picard's equal in that episode. Like they played it very like, you know, hey, this is this is a woman who is every bit Picard, uh, you know, like, as Picard I mean, her, is. And could, could have been character, something. And we, I know we said this before. Her character is – and I, this is not a complaint. I mean considering this is what – uh, the second season, right? But still, second season, so what, it's 88, 89. Like, this is the most, like, overtly sexual, in a completely fine yeah. way, character I've ever seen that early in TNG. She's like, hey, Jean-Luc, glad you're back. Want to go to my quarters? I'm like, wow. But she's, like, playing in a completely, like, serious, I am your equal, I know what I want, this is what's going on kind of way. And I'm like, this is pretty awesome. This is season two? <laughs> oh, right. Wow, season two. <laughs> and also her name is kind of philip so i kind of remember her name <laughs> i'll use uh mine for it's a it's a tiny role it doesn't even have a ton of speaking parts and i'm not even uh i'm actually curious if uh andy knows the significance of this but uh had you heard andy with the role of Maya Jameson, who played Lieutenant Junior Grade Palmer in Second Chances, the transporter operator. Mm, oh yes, no, I don't. So, she didn't make an so Maya Jameson. Well, it's it's like I said, it's a very small role. Basically, when Thomas Riker is being beamed off the planet, uh, the duplicate, you know, twin Riker, uh, the transporter officer is is actually her name is Maya Jameson and she was the first actual astronaut to portray a Star Trek character. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, which I think is just awesome. Uh, and so she was actually also visited by Nichelle Nichols, her friend on the set while they were shooting that episode. So again, it's a tiny, tiny part. I think she has a couple of lines of, of dialogue, but I, I always think that's cool when Star Trek puts actual people who have, done awesome things like that like Stephen Hawking's or astronauts in roles 
Uh, I mean, I'm sure they're having just as much fun as the actors well, on yeah, those occasions. Yeah, I mean, Star Trek has been a huge influence on our science and tech community. Some, a lot of scientists and tech people have grown up with Star Trek in their lives. I mean, you only have to look at the first generation of flip phones to see that there was a lot of influence from Star Trek there. So I always, I mean, I agree with you. That's really, that's really cool to see an actual female astronaut kind of let the fiction merge with the reality. That's awesome. Well, and it's funny because, yes. I mean, for the record, she's a, she is a black woman. And so, I mean, the fact that, you know, we had this fictional series of like, man, black women in the future, they'll be represented. like, yeah, or they're just actual NASA astronauts right now. So yeah. just, yeah. just She's literally been to space. She's been to space more than any other person on this set. That's just, uh, <laughs> let's just put it out That's there. Just, but, it's a, yeah. just a good example of why diversity matters in fiction. I mean, letting people see themselves and their heroes is super important. So cool. Yeah, and, and yeah. So check out Second Chances again when you get a chance, Andy. I will. It's, it's a fun. And, and it's a fun. And whatever else you really want to do like. with two Rikers, you can keep to yourself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you, you know, it does make me think. You know, one small step and all that. Like you know, in TOS we had the the woman nurse, and in TNG we had the woman doctor and you talk mm-hmm. about like which i know it sounds stupid nowadays but i mean like you know that was sort of whatever but like what you say with the role models like you know i wonder if there if there are women watching next generation or maybe any star trek that are like hey that made me want to become a doctor or that made me want to become a security chief and die after six months you know i don't know but you know that that, that you know made me want to i don't know if i like i'd be interested to know someone who was inspired by council trade i don't say that in a bad way i mean i'd be interested to know like Hey, I didn't ever knew what a psychologist did or a therapist or whatever. You know, I don't know. So, I mean, to me, it'd be actually, yeah. one of my best friends uh, growing up, my friend Bethany, um, when she found out I was watching Star Trek, uh, wrote me to tell me that she idolized Troy growing up. Like, just idolized her. She thought she was so beautiful and so interesting. And then, you know, as she grew up, she started to realize some of the problems with Troy's portrayal, but that that character really resonated with her. Um so, yes, and then also when I was at uh, Chicago Comic-Con, no, not Comic-Con, Star Trek convention, uh, uh, Kate Mulgrew was there. And bear in mind, I haven't seen Voyager yet, and Daniel keeps trying to make me think it's going to be terrible, but I refuse ah. to listen to him. Um, but I can't tell you. I mean, it got to her, you know, it got to her question and answer portion. And woman after woman after woman after woman stood up and were like, thank you so much for portraying a female captain. You know, I I really, I loved that growing up. That was so important to me. Um, Just, it was amazing. Like, I would never have, I mean, I would have thought that, but it was just really striking how many women stood up and thanked her for, you know, pioneering that character. And uh, especially in that time frame and a lot of, people in my generation grew up with that character so i do think that it has had an impact as it wasn't there a story similar to that you guys help me with my my memory with uh whoopi goldberg i thought i remember a story going oh, yes, around of course with a, she, a star wars or a star trek fan talking to her do you do you remember more details of that uh, no i mean i remember her being inspired by nichelle nichols of course um that mm, was that was kind of her that's inspiration. Right. What was that she, you know, as, as a as a young woman, I believe the story goes, um, and she would watch and she would see this black woman on television, uh, you know, 
for all intents and purposes, of course, being equal with everybody else in that room, uh, she was inspired to to do what she does now, to be an Academy Award winning. Yeah, I actress, believe so. what uh, she said uh, that she turned to her mom was like, "Look, there's a black woman on TV that's not a maid." Is basically how yeah. she saw it. Um, ain't nobody's maid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, as much as we can beat up on TOS, uh, I I can't remember what episode is from, but it's like Uhura is like uh, fixing a console. And, yes. like, underneath her station and like Spock like is watching her and saying like oh you know when, when are you going to be done and she'll be like I'll be done in you know however long and Spock is like well you know Lieutenant Her there's no one else I trust to, to do this but you but I mean yeah. like it, I'm saying it wrong but it was like a way of saying like yeah. she knows what she's doing by the way I screen capped yeah. that and was like yes I was like Uhura <laughs> is doing science with flawless cat eye makeup and I am in love. Uh yeah, I mean they didn't give her very many moments like that, but they did give her a handful. Um there's another episode too where she um is really awesome. Oh, the mirror mirror no, mirror episode. That, quote, she's really yeah. really she's really strong in that episode too and there's just a handful of times when when they give her something to do and she's just knocks it out of the park. So well, the episode where she her her mind is erased and she goes back to like an infant state Uh-oh. when <laughs> oh she hasn't seen that one. Not yet. Your I fault. mean, uh, I uh, am yes. not seen this episode yet. I am not yeah. seen this episode yet. There is there, there. I can't remember what episode it was at all, but there was also an episode where she basically replaces the, the con officer or the you know one of the one of the front Helmer pe- people bridge people. I can't remember. Yeah, Hel- Helmer. No, well, at that yeah. point it was Helmer. Never they changed the uh, rules around by the 24th century. Yeah. So anyway, all I'll say is in that episode, Nichelle Nichols stands up for the pe- some interesting background parts of her character, and I think it's really well done. Just Andy, just wait till you get to the movies because they really give oh, her a God, lot to do. I sense sarcasm. Really, really I sense so much sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> I promise you there's not an entire movie where Daniel's they the biggest fan of Uhura. And I mean, look, her, I think in Star Trek 3, the search for Uhura, you're really going to be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but we are supposed to be talking about TNG. So oh, yes. I would like to bring up yes. Luxwana so, Toroi, which I know is kind of a controversial character. I tend to like her. I like how she mixes everything up. She always... I mean, anybody that can put Picard that off his game is cool with me. Um, <laughs> but she does have some some good episodes. Uh, one of my favorite Troy oh, episodes yeah, is Dark Page, point. where mm-hmm. um, you know her and Luxwana. That's the the whole episode is the the core of the episode is their relationship. Which, as I said before, it's not enough to have female characters; they have to be interacting. Um, and this is. Uh, a whole episode that is exploring a female relationship and then also it was just a really cool episode i think it was very enjoyable and and had some really interesting imagery and really deepened our understanding of both characters both troy and luxana and um so i don't think she gets nearly enough credit i mean a lot of times people just like to dismiss her as the crazy woman with the silly clothes that kind of sachets all over the place but she's actually a really strong character um at one point there's a i cannot even begin to remember the episode but i remember there was one episode where she's at some sort of like dinner function and this guy is like really creepily hitting on her and she tells him to back off like really strongly and everybody else is like oh how embarrassing how did i'm like no 
She told that guy off perfectly. Daughter of the third house, holy <laughs> of the sacred exactly. chalice like, of Exactly, like how Reeks. dare you? <laughs> Heir well, to the was, holy rings of Betazay. It's exactly. probably that Ferengi that- menage a Troy, but... Well, like, yeah, I mean, look, I'll give you two two other Luxwana moments. One is Half a Life, which, I mean, I think is, a, is an interesting episode in and of itself, um, talking about the society where you have to kill yourself when you're 60. Um, and then the second part, and I can't remember the episode, which cause I want to say it's not a great one, but whatever. I'm really not remembering which one it was. But where the B plot is Loxana, you know, um, E. Cupid's um, and finds a guy. And that, uh, you know, at that end of it, that final scene where he just, like, shows up naked to the wedding just to say, you know, F y'all. <laughs> that's the other. That remember me? No, wait, no, that's a different <laughs> No, I mean, that's a good example, though, <laughs> Philip, of Luxwana just doing her without caring about what either society or anybody else around her wants her to be, just being herself in every way possible. And, yeah, that can sometimes be obnoxious, but it's also really admirable in a because often women are told to tone themselves down, to, you know, be quiet and not be noticed and... <laughs> Luxana Troy is not ever going to be that woman, and I, I dig that immensely. And I know you haven't gotten to it, so I won't spoil cut like I did on with that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But, she, but she does with show the thing up in and the guy and the yeah yeah yeah. Well, she, but no, she does show up a little bit in DS Nine, and her episodes in that are very good as well. Cool. And and you know, I I do hear a lot of fans who maybe aren't huge, massive fans of, of, of Luoxana, but you know, really you cannot, I, I don't think it's possible to be a Star Trek fan without having a deep affection for, for Mrs. Trek herself. Right. I mean, as you, as you're now discovering, Nurse you Chapel. Know, she's also part of, she was the first number yeah, one as well. And it's just, and she was the first number one. She, and Nurse Chapel and the voice of the computer all the way through. And it's just like, you know, you have to, you have to think that Lua, I don't know. I don't know if this is true at all, but in my mind, I, I really closely associate uh, uh, Mrs. Roddenberry. I, I closely associate. Why can't I Mahal remember your name? People help me out. You're, thank you. Yes, Majel. Hey, Joe. You can cut that out hey, because Joe. I wanted to know. No, I no, no. To remember. We don't. We think uh, all the mistakes are in. <laughs> we wanted to hear you stutter. <laughs> yeah, I know. Majel Barrett with um, Luoxana Troy because I feel like she was a str- just. I mean, come on now. They they were two strong humans. They were two, you know the Roddenberries were an amazing power couple and and uh, one I was a like Beta Z. Her... Uh, I think uh, <laughs> you would remember that. The other was a bird. Uh, yeah. So um, I'm gonna give everybody uh, you know 30 seconds if there's any, if they have anything else that they didn't get to say. Uh, Darren, I'm gonna start with you. Uh, Kalar, great character, super yeah, strong uh, role. I wish he had been a reoccurring like put her in every episode Agree. no i wish yeah well she showed up she in the torpedo too but mean? that's not the way she should have gone out <laughs> wow i never thought, <laughs> oh, thought about true. that that's book in before <laughs> yeah i didn't either that's actually really good <laughs> uh philip i mean i think actually darren i'm just gonna state we all agree with you i think kayla are awesome uh philip we, I, I think we've said a lot and we can Overall. say a lot more and i look forward to uh doing our our future character episodes you don't, don't i don't you know i don't know i feel like I, maybe i'm just imagining people like you haven't done the troy and the crusher and the yar episodes i'm like yeah but we've done Guinan in row and plastic we're not going in any kind of order here we you know we're we're on for many more uh years here so don't worry we'll get to them we'll get to them and andy what about you um 
just in general that uh, I was really, really happy to see uh, TNG really step up a lot more than TOS did. Um, I, I just, I think that this was a vast improvement on the original Star Trek's portrayal of women. Um, and the hope is, of course, that every iteration of Star Trek to come will improve even more upon that. I mean, you know, it, so, um, I think the next I look Star forward Trek will to, not just to have that. a woman taking off her dress for no reason. That would be ridiculous. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, you oh, know, of course, not. Don't not get to, me started to, to tease too Ew. much for you or anything like that. But uh, I think Deep Space Nine and even Voyager. I'll give Voyager all the credit in the world. Uh, these two shows really, really kind of hit it out of the park. You know, if, if TNG is the one setting up this this the newer universe that we that we encounter, both of those take all of these gender issues that we see. You know, maybe just just on the surface in TNG and and knock them out of the park, and we get to see. Some really amazing women characters uh, in both of those series as well. Uh, so I think you're you're you know you're up for a treat, and anybody who else who hasn't seen those series as well. Um, in closing, I'd, I also wanted to say that I think a lot of my attitude and my opinion uh, towards diversity in general, but but women specifically in this episode, uh, it comes from Star Trek, where where TNG may have failed. Uh, on a case-by-case basis and a story-by-story basis, um, I feel like the overall attitude that is presented is always one of equality and one of kind of treat other people, treat everyone the same and 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 respect everyone equally. And uh, it's, a, it's a really powerful message, I think. Uh, uh, but the women of TNG <laughs> is not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week. So have a listen to anything else you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. And and so I was biased against it. it even when I started buying the, the two-disc collector's edition DVDs, I avoided buying any of the even-numbered movies. Odd-numbered movies. movies. <laughs> Earl Grey. Like, uh, like they stated in the end of the movie, you know, they thought he'd outlive all of them. And I'm like, yeah, that's what should have happened. We should have seen data, like, in the... You know, 26th century, like Data 5.0, whatever we call them. To the journey! You don't know if she's going to stab him or smooch him. She's going to smooch him, of course, after dessert. (laughs) After dessert. We all know what dessert means. Warp 5. Along with technology and along with trying to study the origins of a lot of different things that we've come to know in, in the original series and beyond... It's hard to try and deconstruct it without insulting what has come in all of the things that we know of being Vulcan Mind Melt. Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. And my thought was in the next scene, Crusher should have the body of the dead Klingon sitting on the back of her toilet holding a candle. <laughs> you know, <laughs> what she would only get to do after Lieutenant Yara's gotten to hold the dead Klingon up to her ear to see if she can hear the ocean. Commentary, Trek Stars. Everything you would imagine would be in an opening title sequence for this show is in there i think the shot that really does it for me the shot that really pulls everything together is when he dunks the basketball (laughs) (laughs) melodic treks so we do know an awful lot of people get associated with vic fontaine he name drops to the nth degree about all the famous people that he engrammed one of whom is frank sinatra axanar the official podcast when there's a possibility for something to be misunderstood or um, not clearly explained, 
it can potentially open up a big hole for a show because people can end up going down a path that was actually not what somebody wanted to be done. The 602 Club. What are those Bond movies that you go back to time and time again because they just do it better? Uh, first of all, Matthew, nobody does it better. That's true. Uh, it makes uh, me feel sad for the rest. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So you can check out all these shows and get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zune, or you can stream from the website. Basically, you can find them anywhere. Just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links. And if you would like to contact us to share your thoughts on today's show, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose send to show and, of course, select Earl Grey. These messages will be emailed to the three of us personally. Finally, in social media, you'll find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trek.fm and on Twitter under username trek.fm. Our new listener discussion group is called The Babel Conference, found by typing The Babel Conference, of course, in the Facebook search field, so you can find us there. Please support our sponsor, Audible.com, who helps us bring Earl Grey to you each week. Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read, but never thought you'd have time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from, and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today, catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read, and that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and all of Trek FM. And lastly, there's one more way you can directly help us keep Earl Grey coming to you each week, and that is through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting www.patreon.com slash trekfm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek FM patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all of our great content. So please become a Trek FM patron and visit www.patreon.com slash trekfm today. All right, uh, Darren, if people are looking for counseling techniques, if they're having trouble on the holodeck, let's just say, and uh, they're fantasizing about their coworkers. Uh, if they want to talk to me about other great female characters in Star Trek and science fiction in general, like many I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, they can find me on Twitter under username Dr. Sci-Fi, D-R-S-C-I-F-I. Uh, and Philip, if people are like, why did you leave? halfway you know in the second season uh where where could you explain yourself as well they can find me on the interwebs at nc public servant on twitter and that nc stands for no contract that's that's why i left um and so but luckily i got a better deal later and andy we really thank you for for joining us as well if if anybody would like to talk to you i mean you you are uh, of course, first time truck. We mentioned that before, but uh, let let everybody know exactly what you do there and uh, and and why they should follow you as well. <laughs> um, sure. So I am live tweeting my first time through Star Trek. This is why I am vulnerable to spoilers. Um, 
and that is on Twitter at First Time Trek. And I'm also doing an archive of my old TNG tw- tweets uh, at on Tumblr at First Time Trek on Tumblr. Um, I'm currently midway through the original series, and uh, we'll hopefully get to the Star Trek movies soon, so we can discuss them even more. Excellent. And if they want to find me as well, I'm on Twitter as as the rest of you are. Uh, and I'm at one up Dan. That is the number one, uh, not the word. All right, guys, I'm going to head down to 10 forward and organize my hats by color and size. <laughs> I'll see you all next week. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.